When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, welcome to Barca Talk. I'm Brian Henderson. And I'm Gabriel Quiroga. Welcome fellow Kules to Barca Talk. Hey Gabriel, what is the silliest thing that your Barcelona fandom has ever led you to do? Well, I was thinking about this. I don't really have like the silliest thing I've ever done, but I I have a, a specific moment where um, my coolism came through strong uh, here in Madrid one time. So back in 2015, uh, I think it was the second year of Luis Enrique, the Clasico, I was at this bar in Madrid and there was a lot of Real Madrid fans. And I went because my friend is a Real Madrid fan and he said, let's watch it together. You know, let's, let's, let's do this and let's be civil about it. And I was like, okay, that's cool. So we went and I was maybe two or three of only Barca fans in this bar. And the bar was probably about 70 people. So it was a small, typical Spanish bar. And obviously Barcelona had a great game. They won three nothing that, that time in the Bernabeu. The first two goals, I, you know, politely celebrated. You know, I was just like, yes, you know, I just kind of under my breath a little bit. And I kind of was like looking for other coolies and I saw two. We kind of made eye contact. I was like, okay, there's two of us here. Okay. I'm okay. Then came one of the best classical goals that I can remember. Iniesta, obviously one of my favorite players, drives up the middle. Neymar flashes to the top of the box, does a backflip to Iniesta. Iniesta one times it, upper 90, pure golazo. I stood up and screamed. And not, not because like, I think it was a lot of things. It was because obviously the game was in hand at that moment completely. It was a super golazo. I love when Iniesta scores those type of goals. The fluidity of Neymar Iniesta, the talent on that, just the beauty. And I screamed and stood up and people just like looked at me and it was just like, what is this guy doing? And I was like, I don't care. I'm a kool I'm standing up and, you know, F you Madrid kind of a thing. And so, yeah, so that's the, I wouldn't say that's the silliest thing, but I was definitely one of the most proudest things I've ever done. I was like, I was not scared to show my colors at this bar. So, yeah. Yeah. And I like, I like the, uh, the sort of low profile eye contact with the other Kool-Aids in the bar. There's maybe two others. And normally you're just like, yeah, yeah, I see you. Yeah. And even, but when you stood up and screamed, even they were probably like, damn, man, be cool. (laughs) Exactly. They kind of. You know, but they, they appreciate it, you know, because I, man, it, I just never forget that. I was, you know, I was probably already, you know, a couple beers in, feeling pretty good, pretty, pretty confident that, you know, uh, no one's going to fight me or anything like this. But man, that, that goal off. So I don't know if you remember it, but I was just watching it before again. And it's Ray Hudson's calling it. He, I think he almost has a heart attack because it's of Iniesta's just shot on goal and just the, the play itself, how it developed great moments here as a fandom of FC Barcelona. That's nice. We should find the clip of that and and share it on our Facebook page. Uh, mine was uh, more a little more broad. I was thinking about this question, like, what's the silliest thing that my love for FC Barcelona has ever led me to do? And back in 2012, this was the second time that I ever went to Barcelona. And I went during my winter break from school. So we actually spent New Year's in Barcelona. And like being that excited and that committed to a sports team was actually very new for me but I wanted to see them play so badly that I planned this trip you know 10 days in Spain in Barcelona mostly we took a day trip to Girona but uh, I really couldn't afford it you know I was a broke student I was in school and living in San Francisco which is not cheap so I really didn't have much money at all to speak of but I I did it anyway and like made it made it sort of work and I think what it was, I wanted to be sure to see Chavi play at least once before he retired. And like right around that time, I was just so fired up about Barcelona that I made a, the very ill-advised decision to take that trip. But it was totally worth it. I got to see them play Espanol. Uh, they won 3 nothing. Got to see Messi take a penalty. I got to see Chavi play. 
I got a sense of what the comp knew was like, and and it was great, totally worth it. But yeah, it broke me for a while, like financially broke me for a while, and how how incredibly broke I was um, caused a fight between my my girlfriend at the time, not my not Megan, who I'm currently with, but the woman I was with at the time, and uh, we we had a fight over how broke I was and how sort of unprepared I was for that trip, <laughs> but we did it, did it anyway, <laughs> and totally worth it i also got pickpocketed on that trip i i had just gotten a new my first iphone i had just gotten it maybe a month earlier and i it got pickpocketed but the pickpocketer was super professional and cool because i walked away and about i got three steps away and noticed that he'd pickpocketed me and i just went back to him and i just said hey and he just handed me my phone back that's how professional the pickpockets are in barcelona they don't care if you catch them they'll just give it back you know why why worry why take the risk of having to do like a foot chase or get the cops involved? Just give the thing back. I'll get someone else. He was very professional. Yeah, Barcelona, man, they just have those pickpocketers all over. They're professional. They're just the slightest of hand professional pickpocketers. So uh, my father got his wallet stolen in Barcelona when we went. Uh, in the uh, uh, market there on the Las Ramblas, he was holding up a ham to take a picture. He's like, look at it. I'm taking a picture of this ham. And he was wearing cargo shorts, and he was feeling super confident. And my father, Gonzalo, he uh, he got pickpocketed. He was going to go buy a water or something. He's like, oh, where's my wallet? And sure enough, they got him. It's just like amateur hour at its highest. So we never forget about that. We still give him crap about it today. It's like, oh, let's take a picture of this big old ham. Wallet gone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know, I spent the rest of that trip with my hands in my pockets. And yeah, if you so if you go to Barcelona, uh, don't raise your arms. <laughs> Keep everything like zipped up very close. <laughs> Be very careful if you're in Barcelona because they have some of the best pickpockets around. I think. Yeah, definitely. Just do what you did. Just put your hands in the pocket and just guard your guard your wallet because the police aren't going to do anything. Yeah. What can they do even? Well, so today on the show... We we ask the question, international break, so what? We have tons to talk about. Uh, today on the show, we're going to follow up on uh, some of the fallout after the independence referendum. And you're going to get to hear a voicemail from my dad about some thoughts he has about what could happen if Catalonia separates and Barca is pushed out of La Liga. We're also going to respond to some other uh, listener comments and bring you up to speed with Barca B and the women's side check in with some other news and we have a special feature today all about Andres Iniesta who has just renewed his contract quote unquote for life and we'll finish up today looking ahead to Barca's next match where they'll go to the new Wanda Metropolitano in Madrid to play Atletico. So first up today we actually have a comment that came in uh, on Instagram from Rock 88 and his question was do you see Gerard Piquet as becoming a sort of scapegoat for negativity towards Barca or Catalans due to his stance on Catalan independence I remember maybe 2 seasons ago there was a lot of negativity towards Piquet and even a few jabs directed at his wife for some stupid reason by supporters of other teams may have just been Madrid fans and I think that's a pretty fair assessment it was probably almost entirely Madrid fans. But uh, so thanks for that, Elrock88. We appreciate you listening and for your engagement. Um, so, yeah, like one thing, like PK was jeered at Spain trading. Um, and I, we have audio of this right here. And they're chanting, Pique, cabrón, España es tu nación, right? What does cabrón mean, Gabriel? Like, asshole. All right, so they're saying, hey, Pique, asshole, Spain is your nation. And this, of course, comes after Pique gave this very emotional statement to the press after the Las Palmas match, which was played behind closed doors in the midst of voting day in Catalonia that saw police violence breaking up crowds of protesters, would-be voters forcefully confiscating ballot boxes, etc. And in this um, statement to the press, he was, I mean, I think he was being very candid. And he says, you know, I am and I feel Catalan. And today, more than ever, he got really teary-eyed. Uh, but he said later on, I think I can stay with the national team because I think there are a lot of people in Spain 
that are completely against what happened in Catalonia today, people who truly believe in democracy. Otherwise, I wouldn't join the team. But I can also say that if a coach or any official of the Federation thinks I am a problem or disruptive, I don't have a problem to step down and leave Spain's national team before 2018. So that's uh, these negative reactions he got last week were, I think, more in direct response to those comments. But it's true that he's been outspoken about Catalonia for some time now, and that makes him the target of some Spanish nationalistic feelings. And he still gets regularly whistled in Madrid. But the funny thing about that, as I understand it, is it's because in 2015, while celebrating Barca's treble, he posted something on social media thanking uh, Kevin Roldan, who's a pop singer, and he performed at Cristiano Ronaldo's 30th birthday party back in January of that year. And Ronaldo posted photos from the party the same day that Real were beaten by Atletico for nothing. So PK's post said about Roldan, you know, thanks, it all started with you. And as I understand it, that's why PK still gets whistled by Real Madrid fans, as far as I know. But I think his willingness to be vocal about politics in Catalonia, I would guess, you know, certainly feed into that too. And then when you watch the uh, Spain-Albania match, every time he got the ball, there was a strong reaction from at least a good portion of the crowd. But I think it was actually kind of a mixture of cheers and whistles. Yeah, so <clears throat> just a quick correction, though, on the uh, Kevin Roldan thing. He actually said that at the ceremony when they were doing the the treble presentation at the in the stadium. So he actually said it on mic and then dropped the mic after he did it. And it was fantastic. <laughs> so I was in Barcelona. Yeah, he, that's what he said. So he kind of did it in jest, basically, um, because the Spanish media always track back to that night of uh, Ronaldo's birthday party where all the players went and they went downhill that season. And so, yeah, that's definitely part of why PK gets whistled, but it's also because he's been so outspoken of Catalan and Catalan independence for so long. But I was talking with this with a friend of mine. I, I kind of feel like if he, to me, since he's staying on the team like this, it kind of shows that not shows, but like it's mixed message for me, right? Like if you are, 100% Catalan going for the independent stuff. I think he should step from the team as a sort of protest or sort of thing, because I, I definitely think it's just mixed bag of policies, beliefs, you know, all these things that he stands for. Uh, I don't know. Like my friend was telling me too, he's like, I don't get it because he should just step from the team and just say, you know, F you Spain. I'm good enough. I'm 100% Catalan. We want independence. I'm going to step away from the team. So I don't know. What are your feelings on that type of idea or the type of mixed message that kind of coming through with PK staying on well, the team? Well, you know, I, he's he's first and foremost, I think, a footballer, and he wants to play, and he is happy to play for Spain. And I think what he said about how you know he he feels okay playing for Spain because he believes that most people in Spain are at least in favor of democracy. Of course, many of many Spanish people are probably not in favor of Catalan independence but at least there'd be in favor of democracy. And I'm wondering even what his actual position on the whole issue is. Is it that he really wants Catalonia to be independent or is it more about he just wants the democratic process to prevail? Because that's exactly what we saw trying to get shut down in Catalonia last week. So I don't know. I mean, should he step down? I think he should do whatever he feels is right. And it's I don't think it's up to me to judge uh, his decisions. But I also think that it's completely fair of him to to say, look, if anyone in the Federation or any of the managers feels that I'm a problem, then that's fine. And I'll I'll step down if they ask me to. I think I think that's a at least a gracious enough thing to say. Yeah, I mean, you know, this is something that's been going on for a while now. So he's been used to it, but it's definitely intensified the last week with practice where they actually had to call practice off early because there was so much uh, chanting. People were throwing things. The police had to come in and they actually stopped practice uh, early. Then the next day they had practice and it wasn't open to the public. Um, so the sports shows here were really highlighting. Uh, they spent about 10 minutes just on this this topic and issue of, at practice. So this is something uh, that actually, you know, obviously intensified with the last weekend. Like you said, PK is a footballer through and through. And I think, you know, he he loves playing with the national team. I think this will be his probably last run at the World Cup. So maybe after this, he'll just leave it aside. Personally, you know, I, I like watching Spain. I cheer. They're kind of my adopted country now. You know, first I'm an American. I always will follow U.S. soccer through and through. But Spain is 
kind of been my adopted country. Plus, they're good, so that always helps. And uh, I definitely think this will be his last campaign. And he's him and Ramos, as much as they detest each other, I mean, they truly do. And they'll put on a, you know, they'll put on a straight face when they're playing. But they are a really formidable pair uh, when they're playing national teams. And so, to me, I think the the national team manager wants to keep that because. You know, they have the experience and after next uh, World Cup cycle, then he'll probably uh, ask PK to leave or start using some new players. Yeah, and ultimately it's not PK's decision as to whether he plays for Spain or not, actually. If he gets the call, he can say no, but it's also a question of whether he's going to get the call in the first place. So before we even ask, you know, should PK step down and uh, leave the Spanish national side? We should ask, like, well, how do we feel about Lopetegui or, you know, anyone in the Federation okaying that call up? Because they're the ones who make the initial decision. And then it's just up to him to say yes or no. And I wonder how much different it would be if this was like four years ago or five years ago with Xavi, Iniesta, Busquets, um, PK being more like, you know, younger, being more important to the team and having uh, this happen to see what kind of dichotomy would it be on the team and what kind of chemistry issues that may arise. But now, you know, the only strong player, the strongest Catalan players, you know, are Busquets and uh, PK. Iniesta obviously still has a major role, but, you know, he's older now and he's not as important to the national team anymore, especially with Isco um, getting more and more minutes. But yeah, I mean, like you said, the manager has to call him and he has to accept. I, I definitely think this will be PK's last World Cup. That's my opinion. Yeah, and just to bring it back around to the to Elrock 88's initial question, yeah, I do think that PK is sort of a, a primary target, but it's because of various things he's said pertaining to Catalan independence for years now, but also, uh, you know, some of the things, some of the jabs he's taken at Real Madrid when Barca's done better as well. So thanks for that question, Elrock88. And that leads us directly into this uh, this funny uh, voicemail I just got from my dad this week. Uh, he's wondering about, you know, what's going to happen if Catalonia does break off from Spain and uh, Barca is forced to leave La Liga if they're pushed out. So check this out. Hello, son. This is your dad. I was just thinking about this um, Catalonian um, independence vote. 90% voted in favor of separation. But I was thinking about how it's going to affect uh, Barcelona Football Club and its continued membership in La Liga. Because without Barcelona, there really isn't much of a league. There's Real Madrid and the rest. But, you know, it occurred to me, there must be some crazy multi-billionaire out there and maybe even a country that would like to invest in something like, I don't know, Atletico Madrid or Valencia or somebody, because all it takes is a lot of money. You can always buy all the talent you want. Anyway, I might want to think about that uh, when next time you do uh, one of your uh, Bartha docs, and uh, who knows, maybe even uh, that guy uh, in uh, North Korea will give up his nuclear program and buy a football club in La Liga. Anyway, I love you. Talk to you soon. Bye. Well, thank you for the voicemail, uh, Brian's dad. Um, wow. His name is I, Ed. I, okay, Ed. Okay. Uh, I don't think we have to give him a nickname, so we'll just call him Ed the Caller or something like this. But um, yeah, so Ed brought up some good points there about um, you know what's going to happen with FC Barcelona if they leave La Liga and so forth. I don't think that's really an issue. I mean, obviously, in the bylaws of La Liga, it's it's you know it's stated that the teams have to be in Spain and so forth. But Barcelona makes too much money for La Liga. They would obviously amend that constitution or those those laws. And like we talked about before, in the English Premier League, they have teams from Wales playing, and they're not, quote-unquote, in England, but they're part of the EPL. So that's what I think would, would happen if if Catalonia became independent. Because obviously, Madrid-Barcelona Clasico makes way too much money. It's the most watched game every time in the world. And the rights for those games is just too much for La Liga to give up. If Cat if Barcelona decided to leave La Liga, La Liga would be very, very weak. Madrid would win it pretty much all the time. There'd be no uh, rivalries anymore as, as deep as the Clasico. And La Liga could be financially ruined. 
Yeah, well, like my dad said, uh, you know, it, there is the possibility that some multi-billionaire or a country, as he said, and I think that was a little nod to Qatar. You know, you see how Qatar is handling uh, PSG, right? They could probably come in and flood the Spanish League or some club in the Spanish League with money. So they could make it – like someone could come in and make La Liga more competitive if Barca were pushed out. But I think you make a really good point that even if you have some more competition – with some other club being flooded with money, you're never going to have the Classico. And the Classico is the thing, right? That I mean, it brings in, like you were saying, it brings in so much money for both clubs. It brings in so much money for the league. It's the jewel of their, you know, television rights and all of that. Just so much money from those two games in a given year. I think you're right. Despite all the kind of chest pounding and posturing from the uh, chief of the league that oh well Barcelona just wouldn't be able to play and neither would Espanol and Girona if if Catalonia leaves Spain but of course all he really needs to worry about is is Barcelona they're the big ones and he does yeah he wouldn't want to give up that kind of money from the Clasico exactly and you have to remember you have to remember that uh, Tebas the the head of the league is a super conservative He's Madrileño. He's a Madrilista too. And so all these things he's saying is because he supports the government 100%. Um, these are his views, right? He never hides his political views ever. Um, and his almost disdain for, uh, Barcelona and Catalonia. So he's also saying it from that point of view, but obviously money talks and he would not be a fool to let Barcelona walk. And, I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't imagine Barcelona playing in Ligue 1, for example, you know, or I think we had another comment too before of someone suggesting to go to Syria. I mean, it's just, it doesn't have the same history, the same, uh, I don't know. It just would be so odd to see that, you know, all of a sudden Barcelona playing, uh, Verona or, uh, Inter Milan. It just doesn't, you know, it doesn't have the same, I don't know. It, it'd just be super weird. And obviously, I just don't think they would ever let it go. That's just too much money, too much money that Barcelona makes. And also, Barcelona doesn't want to leave La Liga either because they have the classical built in there. You know, it's it's for both sides. It would just be preposterous for that to happen. Yeah. And I think the funniest proposal is Barca potentially playing in the EPL. So for away games, they'd have to fly to England or they'd have to have English teams flying to Spain to play against each other strangely it's probably maybe the better fit if you were to just think of them without geography playing in as far as you know competition and like the level of of play they might be best suited to that league although they would just blow it up because they play a whole different style of of football much more technical not as physical it would be a really weird thing but also just all that travel like that's that's talk about a preposterous proposition that wouldn't make any sense yeah and the other thing too that if you know catalonia got independent and barcelona decided to leave la liga this would be a first major step for a super league that has been uh talked about you know it would be something like with real madrid barcelona you know the milan teams uh, Bayern Munich, possibly Borussia Dortmund, the top EPL teams, PSG, and they would just have their own league. And it would almost be like their own super league where they wouldn't even play a domestic league. And they would just be the top teams. They would make so much more money, the revenue on that. So La Liga really has to be careful of what they wish for, you know, because if FC Barcelona, you know, just to say for, you know, um, hypothetical and they leave, then they start the Super League. La Liga loses so much. Not only do they lose Barcelona, they'll lose Real Madrid, like the two gems of their league and all that money. No one's going to be tuning in to really watch, you know, Malaga against Valencia as much. You know, no one's going to have an interest, unfortunately. So they have to be really, really careful that this doesn't send uh, Barcelona to start a Super League, which would totally change the European leagues, you know, for good. Yeah, absolutely. God, that would be incredible. And and weird, and I think a, probably a bad decision ultimately. Well, yeah, I'm not. I'm not really in favor of the Super League. I don't like it. I mean, in, in theory, it would be cool to have these. You know, you have these games every weekend that could be like these top notch teams. But at the same time, I like having the domestic league, and then having the Champions League have these special occasion games that happen once a year. You know, I like that better than uh, having a Super League. Yeah, so. the Champions League being not every single week, but you know, if you 
play through all the way from the group stage all the way to the final. You play 10 matches, right? That limited number of really special games between really great teams. Like, that's better. But I feel like if it was happening week after week, it, it actually might even become just like oversaturated. Yeah. And the other thing too, is that they would just play the same teams over and over again. They wouldn't have that kind of uh, variety, you know, where they play a, a really bad team and a surprise team. It just kind of, it loses its luster. It loses its, you know, its effect. You know, I always get up, I like the previous champions league uh, week when those, you know, PSG and Bayern and Atletico Madrid and Chelsea, like those are really special moments because they don't play very often. And when they do, they just have this, it has like this big aura around them that's going to be a good game. And if you have the Super League, it'll, I think it'll just take away from that that effect. Yeah. Well, thanks, Dad, for the call. And everyone, thanks for sending in your comments and questions. Uh, we have another one coming up, but we're going to tie that in with the Iniesta story. Uh, but remember to send your comments and questions uh, any way you want. You can email us. Find us at barsatalk.net. We respond through various channels, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, what have you. And, of course, we're always open to phone calls. If you're in the United States, the number is 716-795-2853. Leave us a voicemail. We'll put it on the show. So let's talk about some news items. The first thing I want to get into is actually a week or two ago, someone sent us a message, and I forget who. I couldn't track down the message, but I it it actually kind of kept me up at night that someone had asked this, and I forgot to respond. But anyway, um, someone was asking about Rafinha, what the situation is with him. So actually, just this last week, Rafinha had a second knee surgery. And, uh, you know, as you may recall, he suffered an injury last April in a match against Granada. And he had a, the initial surgery, which was reported to be successful, and he was expected to be back in shape after about five months. And, you know, he's posted things on social media of him doing his recovery and his rehab alone in some basement gym somewhere. Uh, but then those five months came and went. And now just this last week, he's had another surgery. So the question is, will Rafinha recover adequately to even play for Barca again? Or will he sort of live out the rest of his career in some lesser team because of this injury? Uh, I'm going to say yes to both. So <laughs> I think he's not going to play for Barca again. And I think going forward, he's going to get uh, loaned out or sold to a lesser team. I think we've kind of seen the last of Rafinha, unfortunately. Um, those Alcantara brothers, man, they have weak weak knee ligaments, man. They're just something in their DNA that just makes their knees flimsy, you know? Um, I mean, it's really unfortunate because I do like Rafinha. Um, he always shows, you know, promise. Uh, he, he, a solid player, um, has that talent speed, you know, but he just can't put uh, a season, a healthy season together. And that's really unfortunate. You know, when you have these type of knee surgeries and you have to go back again for a cleaning or something, it just sets you back so much, especially if you've been rehabbing and you can walk and you can run and do all these things. And when you have this type of uh, follow-up surgery, it just really sets you back, not only physically, but mentally. You know, it's like you have to start all over again. You have to start with the same kind of exercise. You feel like you've, you know, you've uh, progressed so much. And then all of a sudden you have the surgery, recovery, and then it's like start from uh, square one again. And that's unfortunate. So I think if anything, he'll recover from this and they'll just sell him at the end of the season to, you know, another team like Las Palmas or something just to give him because that's a spot that we can use for another player that uh, has a better uh, injury history. Yeah, it's really sad because I really like Rafinha. And I've, like you were saying, I always feel like he has such great potential. And uh, when he's on the field, you know, it's like he he's had spotty performances in the past. Um, but I think it if he hadn't had these injuries and he had some more consistent minutes consistent play he would have been able to really develop into the first team really really well and been a, just a core player but yeah these injuries uh particularly when you have to have that second surgery it's just uh, i think it's probably too much and yeah I, I mean i think that he might come back at some point and maybe play a little bit for barcelona uh if if he happens to you know get in shape uh, during the season but uh, ultimately, yeah, it's we're probably going to see him uh, leave the club, open up a spot for someone who's healthy and, you know, is, isn't just on the books doing rehab. And it's really, uh, really a shame because I always love it when uh, when guys who came up through the academy are, you know, core in the first team. I think we all 
appreciate that kind of thing. So it's a real bummer. Um, but I mean, hope he recovers well. And I hope that, uh, I hope that he plays for Barcelona again. I mean, what an awesome story would that be if he gets better and he makes full recovery and then he has a relatively injury free career at Barcelona where he, you know, fulfills all of our wished for expectations. That would be such a great story. And like, if in five years we could think back to this moment and, talk about that that would be great although you know that's pretty unlikely yeah i mean that's you know that's the the best best case scenario you know but uh i with this type of injury especially with the knee and you know i don't think that's going to happen i mean obviously wishful thinking hopefully that he comes back like you said uh growing up through the barca ranks and being a player in barcelona for so long um, but yeah, I just don't see it happening, unfortunately. And I just think he's going to be his future career is going to be with lesser teams. Yeah. Well, speaking of the academy and the lower lower ranks, uh, let's check in with Barca B. Uh, right now, they're not doing so great in the second division. They're in 16th place. They've played six games uh, and they've won two, they've lost two, and they've drawn two. So at least they like to keep things balanced. Two, two, two. <laughs> two, two, two. Just try and keep it keep it level all the way through the season. <laughs> but, you know, looking at this, I don't really mind that if they don't have a great record in the second division because I ask myself, you know, what do we expect from the B team? Because I myself as a fan, and I think most fans primarily think of the B team as a training squad, but the club officially classifies them as a professional team. But do we need them to do well in the second division? I mean, isn't the purpose of the B squad really to just bring up younger players, give them more competitive experience. You know, we don't really require that they be champions of the second division, right? Yeah, I mean, I agree. I mean, I would I would hope that the goal of the board of directors of Barca is to have Barca be always qualify for second division. And whatever the record is, I, I totally agree. I don't really care about the record. I just want them to always be in the second division so they can have that platform to have good competition and train uh, their future players and have those players have really good experience playing at a high level so that when they come up to the Primera, it's a very kind of seamless progression. You know what I'm saying? It's not such a big jump, but I agree. I don't really care if they, you know, lose a lot or win a lot. And if they win the, the, the second division, great. But, um, I think the main goal should always be just to stay in the second division. I think that's really helpful to develop the players and to also, cause it's such a, you know, you can, you can, uh, plan, uh, the progression of the players, especially when they have so many games in the second division. You can kind of extrapolate how they're going to do in Primera. If they deserve a call up, if they don't, uh, if you want to be more patient with them or sell them, because you can kind of, uh, compare apples to apples with the second division players. So I think that's what should be the main goal. Yeah. I think that staying in the second division would be a good goal. But yeah, you don't have to worry about winning it as long as you can stay away from relegation. Then that would be the, 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 the only real thing that you have to hold them accountable for. Mainly because, you know, those bottom three teams from the previous season in the Primera have then get dropped down to the second division. And that doesn't mean that they're bad teams because, you know, you see this every year in the first division, the three teams that were promoted from the second. It doesn't mean that they're going to get dropped again the, the next year. They're still actually competitive. So there are some fairly competitive teams in the second division. So you need to give the B squad and the players on the B squad that kind of experience playing those those kinds of teams because when they're down in second division b or even third division yeah they're getting minutes they're playing uh, which is great and they're working on their game so they're getting that kind of experience but they're not getting the kind of experience that's going to like you said lead them into the first division and the first team adequately exactly i think it's a really nice luxury to have if barca b is always in second division because going forward like i said you can as a scouting department you can better identify players who are going to do better in La Primera, right? So I think it's a nice luxury to have, and I think that their goal should always be to stay in the second division. And of those B players, you know, right now, of course, we are we have our eye on Carlos Alenia. He's already had some minutes with the first team uh, in the last, uh, last season or so. Um, but also, just this last week, Sergi Palencia extended his contract with Barcelona until 2020. He's 21 years old right now. 
and he's a right back and a captain of the Barca B squad. So he's just signed on for another uh, few years. Now, again, for those of us who want to see as many players as possible from La Masia come up to the first team, might be encouraged by this. Um, although he has yet to make any appearances on the first team. Meanwhile, Alenia has had some minutes. And with this extension, I feel like the depth issues in the right back position create a, a good circumstance for Palencia to maybe get some time with the first team. Do you see that happening, though? Because we haven't seen it happen. Yeah, I'm curious to see what's going to happen with the first Copa del Rey matches against like the, the really uh, Pueblo teams, you know, the teams that barely have... Um, any history or, you know, they're not a really strong contender. Um, I want to see how Val Green is going to integrate the, the youngsters for those opportunities. And so we'll see in the first round of the Copa del Rey matches how he uses the squad because that'll be a, a good, um, indication of what's going to happen. So we'll see. I mean, I, I definitely want him to see him, but again, he's only 21 years old. So again, he doesn't have to come up this year, but it is promising that, you know, they're signing, um, they're focusing more on La Masia and maybe the board is starting to recognize that, Hey, we can make even more money if we keep in-house talent, promote talent and not do these crazy signings like Pauly. And Palencia has been at FCB since he was 10 years old. So he's, you know, he's La Masia all the way. Yeah, he's definitely La Masia through and through, right? Well, I think it would be good to have an option aside from Semedo in right back, who's not Sergio Roberto, because even though Sergio Roberto is a great utility player, he's much better when he's in midfield or going more forward when he has to play right back. I mean, we've talked about this many times before, and anybody watching Sergio Roberto play right back can see this, that he's just a little bit weak on defense. So I think it would be good to bring Palencia up and have another option at right back so that when Valverde wants to do some rotation, he doesn't have to rotate from Semedo to Sergio Roberto. He could use Palencia. I think that would be a good fit. Yeah, I mean, imagine a world where we have two great right backs, right? And then all of a sudden that pushes your your man crush up to midfield, which strengthens the midfield. So we have good backup there, and that just creates a better depth for the team. So, yeah, I mean, I definitely, like I said, I'm curious to see if he gets a call-up, especially for a Copa del Rey game where none of the high-profile players are going to play against a team, like, for example, against Huesca or something like this. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. I'm, I'm thinking positive things that hopefully if his trajectory keeps continuing that he'll – definitely be called up soon and of course we always need a right back a right back is always difficult to to find and if we can find a right back of the future after Semedo even better yeah and those early Copa del Rey matches will be a really good audition for him so hopefully we'll see him called up for those matches maybe this year well shifting over to the women's side of the club uh, there's a lot of good stuff going on there and Gabriel you were looking into this what's going on with the women's yeah so I was looking into this um, pretty impressive from the women's team um, they're top of the table of the Premier Division with 12 points along with Atletico. Um, they actually have a current unbeaten streak right now. And currently they are, uh, they've conceded zero goals in the season while scoring 27. So maybe the men's team should hire the coach for defensive purposes because that is super impressive. Uh, 27 goals scored to zero conceded. And the coach, uh, Fran Sanchez has them playing top right, top of form right now. And, uh, yeah, so the, I was kind of, uh, curious looking up the news for this just to see, uh, how long the season was and how it's integrated. So their season basically copies the men's season. So they have a full on season. Um, obviously the, the, the league isn't as deep because not every team has a women's side. Um, but yeah, so Barcelona is investing more time and money in this and they are starting to do better in the Champions League because they have a Champions League for women's. And so they're looking forward to a better run this year. Hopefully they can go to the final. Um, they've signed some uh, big-time players recently, um, like Tony Dugan and uh, Ika Martins. Is it Ika or Ika? I think it's Lika. Lika. Okay, so Lika Martins. So they've been trying to invest some more money, and especially with the groundbreaking that they did a, a couple of weeks ago with the new stadium that'll be for the women's team, they're hoping to push even further um, the the exposure of the women's team and to actually just bring more players, which I think is a great thing because, um, you know, for example, in the States, we've been, we've been, um, spoiled by the success of the women's soccer. Um, they've won world cups, but also it's, it's something that we take for granted in the States here in Europe, since they don't really have university sports, 
This is a way for women who want to compete and play sports professionally. It's an outlet for them to start to do that. I know that in France, in the Nordic countries, they all have leagues and it's starting to really pick up some steam. Um, so hopefully that'll develop even more and, um, Barcelona will have a, a dominant women's team going forward. Yeah. And more and more clubs in, uh, not just in Spain, but in England for sure. Cause Tony Dugan came up through, uh, Everton. They also have youth academies for, you know, for girls just like they do for the the boys sides. So there's a lot of growth in the in the women's professional game. I'm just bummed that uh, I can't watch full matches uh, of the women's side. You know, it's if you go on Barcelona's website, they only have highlights and you know, the TV isn't covering it. And if you look at the crowds, you can kind of understand why like not a lot of people are going to the matches. But I think like if if Barcelona would at least cuz they're filming the entire match, just post the entire match so the people can watch it. So, I mean, do they do they even televise the women's matches in Spain? Yeah. So I don't know if you know, but uh, most teams here in Spain have like their own TV channel. So, for example, like uh, Barca has Barca TV and Madrid has Madrid TV, these type of things. So, of course, they're looking for content. And I know Barca TV plays uh, the women's matches on them. Obviously, um, like you said, they don't have as much uh, uh, corporate sponsorship for that. So it's not as popular and it's not as, um, money making for them. But I think it's also just trying to become, you know, more mess and in, include, in right? Like it's just trying to develop this other side of football to be all encompassing, all, um, equal opportunity and all this type of thing. So I think it's a great idea or not a great idea, but I think it's a great thing that they're doing to invest more money, more time into it. And yeah, and it's, it's, you know, like you said, the Everton has a youth academy. Um, these other teams have youth academies and it's starting to really pick up steam. And the Champions League now, like I think before was only like maybe 10 teams were involved in the tournament like a while back. And now it's definitely um, a season long qualification now going forward. So I think that's really cool. And like you said, like that's the next step is to get corporate sponsors and get more viewers to watch it, to have maybe more people who are, uh, you know, just looking for soccer or football and to watch and follow the women's team of their team to get involved. Yeah. And like, for instance, this last week, I mean, sure, we all had international matches to watch, but it's just not the same as watching your club. And I was watching the highlights of the the women's side play against uh, a team I cannot pronounce in the Champions League, but it was their group stage match. And they were playing some beautiful football just based on the highlights that I saw. So, I mean, I would love an opportunity to see more of that. It's like sometimes I just want to see Barcelona play. Yeah, and that's the thing, right? Like uh, people are invested in the B team and the youth team, and they will get invested in the women's team, especially if they're successful. And that's the other thing, that Barcelona are bringing these international stars to be a really good team. And so with that, it's going to create more exposure and more buzz into the Socies, and hopefully that'll create some more viewers, some more money, and yada, 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 and they just can be a powerhouse for for years to come. Now, for those of us following the first team, as most of us do, the big story of the first team this week was that Iniesta finally renewed his contract. And he didn't just renew his contract a little bit. Apparently, he renewed it for life, uh, but we'll get into that. And I was actually planning on a special feature about Iniesta for this week's show anyway, so this couldn't have come at a more perfect time for us. So we're going to do that in just a minute, but right now, uh, we want to get into our premium video giveaway results. So first of all, thank you to everyone who left their review in Apple Podcasts. We got some good ones. These last two weeks, we've uh, been asking for these reviews as your entry into a giveaway for a one-year subscription to FCB's premium video feature. And I was just using my subscription the other day to watch a brilliant run that Iniesta made against PSG in the 2015 Champions League that we're going to talk about in just a minute. So the winner of this giveaway uh, left us a review under the handle FC Nayslayer. Their review said, I'm a huge Barca fan living in the U.S. and it's so great to finally hear informed, considerate, and fun discussion of my team every week. These guys are doing a great job and they're just getting started. All they need is a little support because it's clear the potential is there for a really professional podcast. Keep up the good work. Visca Barca. And I swear I used a random number generator to pick that one from the 20 or so reviews we got in the last couple weeks. And But that was one of the nicest reviews we got. It was a, a lovely review. Thank you so much. But I would also like to give a shout out to another reviewer using the handle OG69Mudbone. First off, great handle. I love it. Secondly, 
OG69 Mudbone said, I love the podcasts. As a delivery driver, I spend most of my time delivering and love hearing you guys keep doing a good job. And, uh, you know, OG69 Mudbone, I spent years as a courier slash delivery driver, so I totally sympathize. You know, you're in the car all day long, and it's it's a long day. You got to deal with traffic and all this garbage. Finding parking is a nightmare. So I'm glad you like the podcast. Thank you for listening. But now for our winner, FC Nayslayer. We're going to operate on the honor system here. Since podcast reviews are basically anonymous, you have to get in touch with us to let us know if you are, in fact, FC Nayslayer. And we'll hook up the uh, premium video subscription for you. Thanks again to everyone who left those reviews. Keep rating, reviewing, and sharing the show with your Kool-Aid friends. All right, next up, we're going to briefly talk about the World Cup qualifiers that happened this past week. Um, starting, We're just going to highlight uh, three teams that we've been kind of watching, and that is Argentina, uh, USA, and, of course, Spain. Um, Argentina... Not looking very good. 0-0 tie with Peru. Again, poor Messi uh, has to do everything. You know, he had to drive the team to the stadium. He had to suit the players up. He had to tell them where to play. He had to feed them oranges at halftime. And, of course, he couldn't do – I mean, what else do you want this guy to do? I mean, I don't understand. They played in a 4-4-2, I believe, and they had Messi playing midfield. Like, what is Sam Pauli doing? I just don't understand. And if you watch the highlights like I did – Poor Messi is being double teamed and the strikers aren't even helping him because of the formation. I just, just do a 4-3-3. I don't understand this. And of course, with Kun Aguero getting in a car accident, he wasn't able to play. And so Argentina is in dire, dire straits right now because the next game they must win. And if they don't win, they'll miss out in the World Cup, which is pretty crazy, uh, especially since they were in the finals last World Cup. So Argentina has a lot of work to do, and they have this game coming up. So like I have in my notes here, just absolutely no chemistry with the forwards. So I don't know. Did you see any of these uh, highlights from the Argentina? Well, actually, they were probably lowlights from the Argentina-Peru game. Yeah, I saw a couple of lowlights. It's just so disappointing. You know, you got a team with all this talent. And really, the strange thing is I was under the impression that Sampaoli was a good manager. But he just can't seem to get these guys together. He's a good club manager. You know, with a club team, he has so much more time and practice and matches and so forth. And, and the national team, he doesn't have that much time. Uh, and then the next game we're going to highlight here is the USA against Panama. They looked, they looked like they were going to win the World Cup. You know, they, <laughs> they beat Panama for nothing and they looked unbelievable. And of course, my boy Pulisic, a goal and assist. And if you watch how he played on that goal, when I was the first thing I was thinking of is, wow, this field looks exactly like Germany. And he looks so comfortable on that grass, that wet grass. The move he gave on the keeper was just a thing of beauty. I was screaming when I was watching the highlights because I was just like, I love Pulisic so much. So their next match is against Trinidad and Tobago. They have to win or tie and then they'll be, they'll be good as gold. Hopefully they can just pull a tie. It's going to be a tough match. It's at Trinidad and Tobago, which they never do uh, very well. So they're one step closer. They're in a better position than Argentina. And then lastly, we got Spain. Uh, they officially qualified with a comfortable win, 3-0 against Albania. Goals by Rodrigo, Isco, and Thiago. And they're on the top of the Group G, And which is the news of this group is that Italy has to play a playoff now to, to go further, which is crazy. So Italy may not uh, qualify for the World Cup. So maybe, maybe it's just that now the teams, the random teams are getting better. And so the competition is harder and teams like Italy and Argentina are just going to have to miss out. And this is, these are the ways of the world now in you, uh, world soccer. Yeah, we could really be seeing a, a shift in world soccer. I mean, because like Argentina hasn't missed a World Cup since 1970. That was the last time they didn't qualify. I mean, it's un, it's right now it seems unthinkable to me that Argentina wouldn't make it into the World Cup finals, especially when you have the greatest player in the world on your squad. But, you know, like you were saying, you know, you, when you're asking him to do too much, you know, what do you expect? But, yeah, your boy Pulisic, man, really pulling it out for the U.S. And I was watching a little bit of that game myself and the highlights. You're absolutely right, man. He's, like, inspiring. He's probably the first U.S. player I've ever seen who makes me really excited about U.S. men's national soccer. So I, th I think that they could actually do really well. Um, and I think that playing in Orlando might have been good preparation for playing in Trinidad and Tobago 
right? Because, you know, the weather was... Did you see just how glistening Bruce Arena was at the end of the match? Yeah, I mean, that that definitely took years off his skin, right? It was like a facelift. It was like an environmental facelift for him, you know? <laughs> uh, yeah, so yeah, I, I watched it. I was definitely, you know, like you said, Pulisic, just the moves he has, you know, it's not, it's, it is inspiring because he's only 19. And my dream ultimately would be if Barcelona could sign him. That would be just amazing. Well, speaking of Spain, um, Iniesta was not there for that match because he's out injured, but obviously everyone knows how important he is going forward. And we're going to see um, how they do in the midfield with Isco and Iniesta in the midfield going forward in the World Cup. And that leads us to Brian's beautiful soliloquy of Iniesta for our FC Barcelona. Yeah, I put this very special, this is a very special moment on Barca Talk. Um, And it's one of those things that I like to do when we have an international break, so we don't have quite as much to talk about with games, is to do like a special feature story. And I've been thinking about Iniesta's situation. So, you know, I was planning this special segment on Iniesta even before he uh, renewed his contract, but uh, the the stars aligned. So on Friday, the club announced that uh, Iniesta has signed a lifetime contract. Uh, that deal will keep him at the club essentially for the rest of his career. And this is great news, I think. And it casts a different light a little bit on why I wanted to do this story to begin with. Uh, while it's great that he's decided to stay at the club for the rest of his career, you know, the question is how much longer will that be? You know, he's 33 years old now. But looking back, under Luis Enrique, Iniesta started seeing fewer appearances and playing fewer minutes, despite being the first captain since 2015. But back in May in 2017, after a 3 nothing win over Sevilla, where Iniesta was the star of the show, Luis Enrique couldn't say enough about Iniesta's genius, calling him an artist, saying he turns a sometimes rough sport into something subtle like a painter. But even then, he couldn't guarantee a spot in the starting 11 for Iniesta. You know, Luis Enrique was saying, I know that he wants to play more minutes, I know, but I also want him to acknowledge what it means to grow older at a club like this. Of course, he was saying that at Barcelona, where the demands are heavy and the expectation to win is high, even a brilliant player such as Iniesta must expect to see fewer minutes as he grows older and loses a pace or two against younger, faster opposition. And I think most of us took Enrique at his word, knowing that footballers eventually get too old to compete at the top level, and knowing that Enrique was in the training sessions, watching his players closely, probably more closely than any of us would be capable of doing. So it wasn't a matter of whether Enrique had faith in Iniesta, but of what Enrique felt he was capable of at his age. By April of 2017, uh, Denis Suarez and Rafinha had each seen more minutes than Iniesta, and it seemed clear that he was on his way to the pasture. But he ended up the season having played about 500 minutes more than Denis and just over 700 more than Rafinha. Of course, his season was cut short by that knee injury we were just talking about earlier. But Iniesta's injuries sidelined him a lot last season, and it appeared to be another piece of evidence to prove Enrique's conclusions. With knee troubles, muscular problems, and an adductor injury, he missed 19 games total. Uh, That's the most he had missed in a season under Enrique. But if you go back to the season before Enrique arrived, 2013-14, which was a disappointing year overall under Tata Martino, where the team were second in La Liga, second in Copa del Rey, and they left the Champions League in the quarterfinals. Iniesta had a great year. He missed zero games from injury. He appeared in 52 of the 59 matches played, played a total of 3,695 minutes. He scored three goals, made 13 assists. And all of these stats are from transfermarket.com. That's market without the E, which is a good website if you want some stats. But then the very next season under Enrique, he started off relatively strong. In the early stages of the season, he was seeing minutes and captaining the team, although he wasn't in the squad for an early match against Villarreal, and he rode the bench for a match against Granada. But then he suffered a calf injury and missed four games. After that, Enrique was cautious with him, I guess, limiting his minutes in La Liga and favoring time for him in the Champions League. But in the second half of that season, he sat on the bench in six Liga matches and wasn't included in the squad for one more. In the Copa del Rey, he missed the round of 16 against Elche entirely, not due to injury, but just because Enrique decided to leave him on the bench or not include him in the squad. So the only place he could really count on getting minutes was in the Champions League, where he played uh, 786 of a possible 
1,170 minutes, and he missed two games to that calf injury. Between those two seasons, Iniesta's appearances dropped from 52 to 42 and from 3,700 minutes to 2,900-some. He missed a total of eight games to injury, but uh, in 2014-15, he still managed three goals and eight assists. And one of those came from a run he made against PSG in the Champions League 2015 that could only be described as vintage Iniesta. I highly recommend you go find the clip of that because he takes the ball from almost his own penalty box, makes a brilliant turn, gets past Cavani, gets past Verratti, gets past David Luiz, and then gives it to Neymar at just the perfect moment with a perfect ball, and Neymar scored. So I highly recommend checking out that run. You know, the next year was much better for him. He missed uh, seven games to injury, but he had 44 appearances out of total 60 matches played, so not bad. His minutes increased to over 3,500 again, and he scored one goal, made four assists. During Enrique's last year, the one where Iniesta missed 19 games with all those injuries, he still managed to play over 2,000 minutes, scoring one goal, he made six assists. But overall, it seemed like the script had kind of been written by time. You know, a footballer's body can only last so long. And we were witnessing the slow descent of a brilliant star. But now, under Valverde, Iniesta has appeared in every match, most of the time in starting 11. He's already spent 622 minutes of possible 990 on the pitch, with one assist so far. And he's already had some injury problems. Uh, He had some muscular problems that made him miss the second leg of the Supercopa. And those returned in the last match with Las Palmas, where he came on as a substitute and then had to come off just 40 minutes later. And that injury will have him sidelined for 10 days, which could mean that with the international break, he actually won't even miss a game with Barcelona. So at the start, at least, it would seem that Valverde has more trust in Iniesta's body than Enrique did. And now he signed this contract that will allow him to continue playing in the Barca jersey for the rest of his career. So do you think that Valverde is going to continue using Iniesta as much as possible this year? So first of all, let me just slow clap that. That was just beautiful. So uh, Iniesta is, yes, Iniesta is my, you know, top 10 easy uh, favorite players of all time. Uh, Val Green is doing an amazing job of managing Iniesta's minutes so far. I think he's, he's starting him and taking him out early when the game is in hand. I think that's really key to, uh, preserving Iniesta's body. You know, Iniesta has always had injury issues, especially with muscular issues. Um, even before the World Cup in 2010, there's a really great, uh, documentary on the World Cup. Uh, it's in Spanish, but it's, it's amazing how, uh, Iniesta was injured so often, especially during practice. That he got injured and he was, uh, his, his, uh, World Cup spot was in jeopardy for the 2010. And it was how the psychologist of Barcelona and how he managed to become a stronger player from this process that he was able to succeed. And it's a really great documentary. I'll post it on the Facebook page. But I think Valverde will continue doing what he's doing, you know, taking out Iniesta early to preserve his minutes, especially when the game's in hand, and really using him to the max for more important games. I think now with Iniesta, you know, he's vital to our possession uh, in, you know, matches and so forth. But I think uh, Val Green is going to put more trust in the younger players to close out games, almost kind of like in baseball when you bring in the closer uh, I think Val Green is going to bring in fresh legs to close out these games, especially when they're winning 2-0, uh, like against Las Palmas and so forth. I like what Val Green's doing with Iniesta. I think Iniesta has some good years left. I'm just curious with this contract for life. Like, obviously, it has some flexibility in there where if Iniesta doesn't feel like he can continue to contribute to the the main squad that he can just retire and Barca is not going to be on the hook for the rest of the contract. That's what I think. But again, we don't know the max years on that. You're not allowed to do these contract for lives. So we'll see what happens, but I have to applaud you on your Iniesta uh, writing here. It was, it was really great. So I, again, Iniesta always uh, makes me smile. And of course he's one of the most beloved players in all of Spain, anywhere he goes, you know, they call him Don Iniesta, right? Don Andres, because obviously he won the World Cup and anywhere he goes, any visiting ground, they applaud him because 
he brought the World Cup to Spain, the first one and the only one so far. So yeah, the hashtag for this has been, you know, forever Iniesta. And that's actually what we're calling this episode is, well, we're calling it Iniesta forever. I like that word ordering better. Anyway, uh, we did have a response on this from one of our listeners from Boan on Facebook, and he essentially pointed out what you were just saying. You know, a lifelong contract is illegal under FIFA. And he says, um, I think he just signed a four or five year long contract with added clauses that he can either retire or continue as management afterwards. Never mind. The deal has been done. Waiting for Messi now. By the way, Barto is happy at the moment. Definitely. So thanks for the comment on that, Boan. We appreciate it. Yeah, and you, of course, yeah, this whole contract for life thing is more marketing than contract reality. It's it's clearly just a multi-year deal where each year Iniesta essentially has the choice as to what he wants to do. And of course, we expect him to confer with the manager, maybe the club, and see you know what he wants to do. I heard rumors last year that he would uh, maybe take over La Masia, which I think would be perfect. You know, he came to La Masia when he was eight years old. He came up through the whole system. He's still one of the people who we look to as probably one of the greatest products of that system. I think once he's done playing, if he wanted to slot into a role like that, that would be ideal. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a good point that, you know, he could go to La Masia after he's done. Uh, I, you know, I think it would be a great PR for him. But did you see the uh, the picture or the video of Iniesta? Like, he didn't shake hands with Bartomeu. He gave him kind of like a five thing. But it was super awkward because it kind of reminded me of uh, Rocky Three with Apollo Creed and Rocky jumping in the ocean together, hugging, doing the awkward hug thing. Like... You could tell like these guys know each other, but they don't really know each other. And Bartomeu's like trying to be hip, you know, CEO guy, you know, and like, hey, Iniesta, give me this weird five. And it's just like, oh my God, I was just like, just shake his hand. Like, seriously? Like, <laughs> but yeah, I just, I, I just wanted to point that out. I just thought it was pretty funny. I just want to point out just how frequently Rocky comes up on this podcast. Maybe we should do another podcast that's just all about the Rocky movies. <laughs> we could do a Rocky minute by minute podcast and it would last us 10 years i mean he is the greatest american boxer who never used defense to win a boxing match you know he used his face to receive all the the punches and he was able to win world titles so maybe we should do a podcast about rocky anything is possible in the movies let's look ahead to an actual men's first team barcelona match we're gonna have the return of la liga against Atletico Madrid. All right, so the next La Liga match is October 14th. It's a Saturday. It's going to be a partidazo here in Spain, which means it's Saturday night, which just has a more epic feel here in Spain. Um, it's going to be at the new Wanda Metropolitano, like like you said earlier, which is the new home of Atletico. Um, from every video I've seen, the stadium looks amazing. It's completely state-of-the-art, but also did not lose the... Uh, the ambiance, the sound that the Calderon used to have, which was pretty intimidating. And going forward, just some notes about Atletico Madrid. Um, you know, they're always very physical. They're a tough match, especially now at the Wanda. They are looking to, you know, they're always looking to give us a bruising, basically. You know, nip at us, push us, do whatever they can, uh, you know, as legal as possible, right, to the to the line, essentially. Um, Atletico plays a, a strict 4-4-2. And um, yeah, this will be Barca's first time visiting the Wanda. Uh, so the 4-4-2 is just, you know, focused on defense and counter. So I'm curious to see how Val Green counters with this because uh, Atletico's counter is uh, definitely potent, especially with Griezmann at the helm at the top. Well, also, this is the first really hard-hitting opponent that Barca's had to play in La Liga. I mean, aside from their Champions League matches, their whole league schedule, the domestic league schedule, has been pretty easy so far, you know, and they're seven games into the season. And this is the first time that they're going to have to really go up against a top-of-the-table kind of team. So we're going to see if every all the work that they've been doing is uh, is going to finally pay off. Yeah, the great point. Like I'm curious to see too, especially, you know, Simeone ha- always has Atletico ready to play against Barca. He knows the 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 system that Barca plays. He has the blueprint of how to beat them, how to match up against them. I'm curious to see if Valgrim will counter that and and 
how we're going to play, especially an away game. This is going to be a tough away game. My player to watch for Atletico is Yannick Carrasco. He's a Belgian winger. I think he has a super potential. I really like his game. He's super fast, tall. Uh, I don't know if you remember him from the Champions League final in 2015 when he scored the goal to tie the Real Madrid match when they were, when they were tied the match and he went over and kissed his girlfriend in the stands. It's pretty cool if you, if you haven't seen that. Uh, but yeah, he's super fast, super talented. He doesn't get enough playing time for me. I think he should start all the time because he gives them so much depth going up and down the, the length of the field. And he matches up really well with Griezmann. He has good chemistry. But for some reason, Simeone is always weird with his lineups. He doesn't always put Carrasco starting. So if he starts uh, the next match against Barcelona, keep an eye on him. He is definitely a dangerous uh, counter player. Super fast, physical, tall. Just he's like he's almost like a perfect winger for the four four two. Well, here's hoping that if he does play, that we can somehow neutralize him. But we are looking forward to La Liga coming back, and we get to see our boys in action again. Thanks again for listening. Be a part of the show. Give us your comments, questions, topics you'd like us to discuss. Visit us at barsatalk.net. Give the phone call a line if you want. One more time, the number is 716-795-2853. And do not forget to continue rating and reviewing on iTunes. We're not doing the giveaway. That's done. But we really appreciate any support that you can give us in that regard. For now, I'm Brian Henderson. I'm Gabriel Quiroga. And this has been Barsa Talk. Thanks so much for listening. Visca Barça. Visca Barça. Sports Social Podcast Network.